0: Hi everyone! Today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by casting director Harriet Greenspan. Harriet has worked with ABC, Warner Brothers, and Nickelodeon, just to name a few, as well as owning her own successful casting office. Her credits include True Jackson VP, Drake and Josh, Unfabulous, and Eraser Reborn. Harriet's understanding of actors and love of shaping her performance in the room set in motion her other career of coaching. Her reputation as an acting coach and author are well-earned. Harriet travels all over the country teaching acting workshops for kids, teens, and young adults. For those that want to take a deeper dive into Harriet's teaching, her best-selling book, Auditionology, is an excellent resource for actors of all ages. Let's get to the show. Hi Harriet, thank you so much for joining us on What's My Brain? Thank you for inviting me. Nice to be here. Up to start out with a little bit about your journey into casting and what drew you to that area of the industry. So I didn't uh, set out to be a casting
1: director because when I was growing up, there weren't any casting directors. I think that you know it was kind of makeshift. The producers and the writers just did it on their own. Um, but you know, want to be an actress? Like most people that start out in our industry, everybody wants to act. I mean, that's the first thing they see most of the time. Okay. And so um, you know, I lived in New York, and. Um, You know, there there was not a lot of um, resources uh, in those days. You read a lot of magazines. You found out about your actors. There were maybe five channels on TV. You know, everything was very limited. So we're talking a while ago. And so I, I, I told my parents that I wanted to live in California and be in the entertainment industry, movie business, as they called it. And um, obviously, like today, a lot of parents or before COVID picked up and moved to Los Angeles, if not temporarily, and kept their own apartment or house in another state. They did that for their kid's career. My parents did not. And again, it was a long time ago. So and and I don't blame them, you know. Uh, so they said to me, when you go to college, you can go to college in Los Angeles and then you could try to get into the business, do whatever you want. So of course, I I, I came out here and I went to college out here and um, majored in drama, theater arts, you know, speech communication, the whole thing. And when I graduated, instead of going into acting, I decided that I was going to do some stuff in production and see, you know, what that was like behind the cameras. I needed to, you know, roof over my head. I wanted to. Eat, you know, I was thinking, (laughs) you know, how am I going to do that stat, you know, fast? So, um, I I took a job in um, a production office and uh, I worked and learned different areas of production. And Mm -hmm. while I was there, um, the casting director quit mid season, the assistant or associate casting director took over. I became the assistant in those days, it was casting an assistant it wasn't like associate we didn't have multiple levels and um, I kind of like casting I thought it was oh wow I get to act because I get to read with the actors Mm -hmm. and I also get to you know see how the casting process works and how people get jobs and you know and I loved it so I decided that I was going to get a job in a, a casting office and I did And at the end of the season, I left and uh, somebody told me about somebody that was looking uh, for a casting person uh, at a big company called Installmaster Associates. And at that time, he was one of the biggest uh, casting directors. Mike Fenton was the second biggest casting director. There were very few of us. Remember, you said you like long answers. (laughs) (laughs) I I am with you. Okay. So uh, I worked there and that's how I got into casting. That's my story.
0: And I mean, it clearly, it is thriving before I go forward. I also want to note, it is always such a treat for an actor to read opposite a casting director that loves actors and also has like a little bit of that acting in them. It's always just, it's such a treat, um, which I know every actor can really (laughs) (laughs)
1: right we're
0: we're so far removed from that world I feel like now with the self-tapes you know we've, we've I think all of our family members have gotten a crash course in acting over the last two years but back in the days of being in the office it was always such a treat yeah you are so strongly established working with children and young adults what drew you to that area of casting specifically well
1: I also work with adults I mean I do you know movies in a small division at Warner Brothers and I do. They're like franchise movies, and there's many adults in those movies. um, Their action and whatever. And about 21, 22 years ago, I had just finished casting a soap, and I wanted—I was looking for something, you know, different to do. And a friend of mine told me I should meet um, my friend Sharon. Now she's my friend Sharon Liebland was head of casting at Nickelodeon. She had just kind of started the department; she was new there. So I met her. And a few weeks later, she called me and said, hey, I have these projects, want to come in and do them with me? And so um, I said, yes. And I started doing, you know, series and movies with Nickelodeon, you know, yeah. years ago. And it was fun. It was, you know, um, and what I what I saw is I, and, you know, some of the shows that I did were picked up to series, you know, the pilots and. But one of the shows that I was casting, um, you know, I had actors come in and read with me and I felt, okay, they're they're good, but they could be great. Let me help them be great. And I took the time in my office to really draw out of them what I needed and work with them. And you know, when it was done, they left my, my office and I walked out to get the next person. And I realized, oh my God, I was so backed up. There were so many people. And I felt so bad because, and, and, and it's really not the place to do it, yeah. you know, for 20 minutes, you know, or whatever it was. So I said, you know, I'm going to see if there's a way I can work with actors, coach actors, and um, so I approached uh, a friend of mine who uh, at that time owned actor site, he passed away a few years ago, um, Jack, and I said hey I want to do some workshops with kids and teens and young adults, and I started teaching, and you know, uh, it was great because I really helped them, you know, a lot of my projects were comedy, Comedy's hard. And so I worked on all of that with them. And I just, you know, I, I actually, you know, I, I teach and I, I don't stop until I get what I want from a lot of these kids and, and you know, actors. So it, it's very fulfilling and I love working with actors. And, um, you know, I, I love to see the difference. And, and, and as a casting director, you know, a lot of times I'll read an actor and he or she is okay. And then the next time they come into my office, they're amazing. So the first thing I say, who are you studying with? Because I want to know the name of that coach, because I make a list of coaches, you know, to share with actors.
0: You can see from some of your lovely testimonials and former coaching clients and current clients on your website, how much you have affected and and positively supported their journey. And the other night, I read your book Auditionology, which I highly recommend. And I love that even with your coaching, you put so much of your excellent advice and insight into a book to help more actors. Um, Because that's something that we, we very much believe in here at What's My Frame is that creative education should be accessible for all. So what drew you to write a book and are there any other books in the future perhaps
1: i'm going to do a third edition i'm working on it but it's a process because if you read the book you know i interviewed a lot of actors and asked them what it was like you know um uh, before they became famous before you know they they got their show their series their movie there was so much you know i wanted to say there's you know people used to call me and come to me and say hey you know um, my kid just got a job and blah, blah, blah happened. And, and what do you think? And I would say, well, there's children in film. Children in film are this reputable, fabulous place that you can go if you have a question about hours, if you have a question about are your children being treated right, um, how do I get a work permit? All, you know, so I have a chapter on that. I have a chapter on resumes. I have a chapter on interviewing actors, I have actors that have booked. I have an inter- uh, interviewed actors that haven't booked. Uh, that have been doing this for a long time. Um, parents, um, you know, agents, managers, uh, pilot season—is there a pilot season? Is there not a pilot season? I'm updating things. You know, I'm interviewing more people. I'm updating the self-taping process. Although there is a chapter in there on self-taping because self-taping was around for a long time for people that didn't live here. We did a lot of self-taping, and then self-tapes started becoming more prevalent and popular. A lot of casting directors were doing that before COVID hit because there was just so much time in the day we could see actors. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We needed self-tapes, you know, as well. Can't work 24-7, so better way to see more actors. There was so much to say. And then, you know, I was teaching my workshops all over the country. I was traveling at the time. And, you know, I was giving my spiel about how to get ready for an audition. So I just decided, you know, I'm gonna just do it. I'm just gonna write it. And my friend Julia, who writes a lot of kids' books, teen, tween books, said, I'll I'll help you. And so she kind of guided me through everything. Of course, there'll be future editions, you know, how to prepare for an audition. Yeah. the same in all the books but you know I'll update it eventually with other things but I just feel there was a need for knowledge and there were so many parents that weren't here yeah. and that. You know, came out here and just got lost. And people would say to me, I, "I signed with an agent. The agent is sending my kid out. Do you know this agent? Do you know?" You know, and I told them how to look up agents and managers before you sign with them. You know, look at their the kids or the the, the actors they represent.
0: I myself, I, I grew up in musical theater, but I was not working on sets as a minor, and I can't even imagine. But I, I sympathize with just the vast unknown for parents coming into this business, wanting to protect their child, wanting what's best, wanting them to succeed. Um, And of course, you know, when you want something that much, you do tend to maybe believe things that you're told probably before you should. And I think having a resource like your book is so important to recalibrate back to the facts. Is there a piece of advice that you would share for families with young teen children that are very interested in acting what would be the piece of advice you would give for the current climate industry i
1: would tell them get your kid in an acting class um it's everything's virtual now so Mm -hmm. i would say get a list of fabulous acting classes you could look at my book you could do research you can call children in film have a website you know Um, go to, a, you know, find a whole bunch of amazing um, acting classes and then see if you could audit a class. And that's the first thing I would do. Do you have to live here? No. Years ago, I would say, you know, it'd be good to take a trip out here. So you would be out here for a a chunk of time so you can go on auditions in person and the casting directors would get to know you. But now everything self-tapes. So once your child does get an, you know, uh, an agent, they'll be sent out on auditions. You can book from anywhere when it's episodic. Episodic is I'll put the breakdown out looking for the kid today. And they, prob- they might have to work on Monday or the following Wednesday or Thursday. It's a little faster. So sometimes we take local kids for a series and, um, but
0: you know, I don't think the landscape is going to change with self-tapes. Now, from either the casting or the coaching side, what is some common and avoidable mistakes you see made in careers? Well, casting,
1: you know, never say, I just got this. <laughs> you know, talking about your sides, don't tell me that. Or don't tell anybody that. Yes. Because um, you, you know, if you book a job, they're constantly changing sides on you the pages on you Mm -hmm. you start off with white then blue then pink (laughs) and green and goldenrod and go. you know because they're they're constantly listening and they're figuring out what works and what doesn't work and so they'll change the lines to make it work and sound better so you're going to have to learn your lines fast if you're a successful actor and you're booking So you can never say that. And and basically what you're saying, I don't belong here. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. There's nothing worse to a casting director than somebody wasting their time and coming in not, you know, not off book, not prepared. You know, you have a privilege of coming into a room or getting an audition virtually or whatever. It's a privilege because there's so many actors and this business is so saturated that if you have the, the, the privilege of coming, of, of getting an audition, you need to be prepared because there's a lot of actors out there that would die to be in this position that they can't get an audition. So my thing is be as prepared, don't make any any excuses. And if you don't think you're ready, have your agent or your manager see if they could reschedule you. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a major thing. Uh, Obviously, when you're taping, you know, no hats no glasses unless you wear them. And if you wear them, slate without the glasses and then wear them in the audition or vice versa. Um, make sure you read the directions on your self tapes because each casting office has completely different directions. Yes. Um, I'm not that strict. As long as the audition's good and you're prepared, I don't care. Um, if you, you know, I, I put the directions out there, but there's some casting directors that are strict. Um, you know, just make sure we're not doing this in the middle of your kitchen or the middle of your bedroom, plain yeah. wall, um, good lighting. We want to see who you are. Um, I don't like props. If you need to use your phone, use a phone, but make sure it's off. Um, always have paper sides. So if you're going to bring your paper sides into an audition, make sure it's paper. Don't bring your iPad in there. Don't bring your phone in there. I don't like it. And I don't think a lot of casting directors like it because it's it's heavy, you can't make notes and it's distracting. I also think with self-taping, there's no need to hand in an audition that's not great. You know. Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: So, and also watch your auditions because if you have three or four good takes, even though while you're taping, you think take, you know, fourth take is the best, when you watch it you might have a different opinion. Like when people come in and they're auditioning for me in person in the old days, two years ago, you know, um, I would think, oh my God, I love this person. I would circle it. And then later when I watched my whole session at the end of the day, I might've been on the fence with somebody that I feel like they're, I liked what they did because when you're watching it it's a different kind of, you see it differently than when you're actually doing it,
0: you know? Absolutely. I I have felt that personally, you know, you feel like you're very much in it. And that's one thing that I think is so beautiful. If actors do slow down to take it in with all of the self-tape opportunities, it's really an education on how you do look on camera, because, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if I was going into your office, I typically would not see the tape, but we as actors have more control over the performance we hand over to casting and production now. And if we slow down enough to like really examine it as the character and not be particular about like oh i don't like how my hair looks or you know not those kind of things but actually watching the performance i think it it's a real education
1: right absolutely yes it's great to see it from all points of view yeah
0: i don't want to just talk about mistakes the positive side of that have there been either from self tapes or back in the day coming in the room where you really like you could tell that the actor had made wise choices and were you able to figure out like what it was that made their performance pop and stand out or how they presented themselves well always being prepared is great um but I think the biggest thing is making
1: the audition your own which makes it different than everybody else's remember you come in and if you just give me the lines I could read I know what the lines say but how can you do something a little more creative, something a little, um, different because, you know, we're sitting there all day watching the same scene and we're seeing hundreds of people do it. What can you do to stand out? How can you be more creative? How can, especially with comedy, how can you, um, and you know, I, I do a lot of private coaching. So when I do, I say to them, okay, let's make it your own. Let's, let's, let this casting director that's watching this go, oh, that's different. Oh, how creative. That's wonderful. Because, you know, at the end of the day, so much of who you are goes into the role you play. So if you are lucky enough to book a role, the writers get to know you and write for your personality and who you are. And that's what makes the show so different. It, it kind of is what you bring to it
0: if you could share any insight to the benefits of still continuing to show up and bring what is uniquely you to a role i personally have experienced this as well as hearing friends that it is somewhat more more disheartening to lose a role when you feel like you put so much of your uniqueness into you have to audition doing the
1: best you could do all you could do is okay this is what i'm going to do and as long as you feel you did the best you could do, then you have to just do it and walk away from it. Because at the end of the day, if you don't get it, it wasn't your role, no matter how hard you worked on it, no matter how many callbacks, I mean, look, there were people that had like, you know, six callbacks and didn't get the role. And they, they, they were upset. How can that happen? Well, there's other people that got six callbacks And either didn't get the role also, or maybe did get the role finally. So, you know, and the fact that they called you back so many times, that's a good thing. It means that they like you so much. And these casting directors that keep calling you back for roles, even though you don't book, it means they really
0: like you and they're working hard to try to get you something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, having worked at ABC and Nickelodeon and, and still working with these other networks, what was important to you when creating your own casting office? What did you want to make uniquely yours?
1: I just wanted to do fun projects that I enjoyed. I love challenges also. You know, I've been really lucky because I've worked with 99% of everybody I work with it was amazing. I've had really good experiences. I feel what I do for a living is not really work. That's how I love it so much, but, and a lot of people like, you know, my daughter's a a psychologist. She said, Oh my God, I I love what I do. I don't feel it's work. And, and, you know, that's what you want to get to a point in your life where you love what you do, you know? So it kind of makes the hard times not as difficult, you know, but uh, I've worked with amazing people, producers and directors, great teams, my Warner brother team, been there for about 18 years, all the producers and the execs and the directors, I mean really good. And the people I worked with, you know, Nickelodeon or I did uh, independent movies and it's fun. I love I loved it and I got I, I got really lucky. I never had an office like where I did multiple projects. I usually do, did one or two projects at, the, at a time. I tried not to take in a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um I'm hands-on I like to focus on it myself if I have an associate they help and we both look at self-tapes and things like that and we talk and so we work together as a team
0: we were talking before the show about your work on the pilot of Drake and Josh can you share a little bit um, about how you joined the show and your experience of helping cast the pilot
1: it's, yeah I that's was
0: such a it's such a fun and I feel like for so many now young adults that was like their show growing up that they they followed Drake and Josh through. It's
1: very funny. First of all, the guy the boys came from all that. Sharon hired me to come in and work with her. and so you know that was one thing she and I worked on together and we had a great time I had a, she's great to work with. I mean I, I've known her forever and she's an amazing casting director we cast the people, the father, um, Miranda Cosgrove, that was, you know, her first, um, you know, she, she played the sister, and then her career moved on to amazing things. Um, it's fun, it was great, you know, Dan was a funny writer, I mean, he's a great producer, you know, he wrote funny stuff, so it's great to cast the stuff that You know, to read with these actors, I mean, you can't help. Everybody's funny because his stuff is funny.
0: You've touched on that a couple of times about comedy, and I feel like comedy for so many is harder than drama um, because it's finding that balance of hitting all of the jokes on the page. And I think sometimes as actors, we try to find jokes that are not the obvious ones. Do you have any advice for actors that are still learning to audition with comedy material?
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to take a comedy class, you got to learn how to find the comedy beats. Sometimes you miss them. When you do self-tapes, you know, we're looking for those beats because we want to show them to our producers or, you know, director, whatever. They want to see that you know how to find the beats and you know how to deliver comedy lines. So it's like comedy is like a song. You know, you can't change the words. You got to keep the words. It's like if somebody changed the song, the words to your favorite song, it would be, ter- it, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? Well, oh yes, it's
0: like nails on a chalkboard, yeah. Right,
1: it's like the same thing with comedy. You gotta keep it funny and you gotta keep the lines and you gotta keep the beats. But there are a lot of times, like in my casting experiences, like some shows that I've done, the scene that I get to read with the actor was not necessarily out, outright funny. It was sometimes they're more of um, a sight gag. Sometimes it's hard to audition people for certain kind of funny so you got to go with people that are funny naturally and they'll come in and bring a little funny to it you know their their own take on it um i've done that where i went oh this isn't funny how am i going to cast this role (laughs) (laughs) and we've done that all of us i mean you know there's a lot of stuff and you know even though we'll ask the you know we we know by now it's um it's a sight gag. It's going to be funny when you put it all together, sticky and funny, you know. Um, but you just need to, you know, like that's why I said it's so important that people bring their creativity to certain roles, so we see what they can do, you know. And then there's just certain ones that aren't funny. You just have to do the best you can. And sometimes they're looking for a look. Sometimes they're looking for some physical comedy.
0: Now, you also cast Cats and Dogs 3. How does casting voice actors differ from TV film? live
1: action? Same, it's same. You know, it's a voice. You know, so many times in a casting room, uh, when I'm doing like live action, regular casting, mm-hmm. I close my eyes sometimes and listen to see if the person's believable. So casting live action and casting, you know, animation or voiceovers or podcast, whatever, it's similar. It's the same thing, you know, to get a casting director that's doing theatrical casting and having them do an animation, a voiceover project is great because it's, just, it's very similar. It's just listening and hearing and believing, and you're look, listening for a certain type of voice, you know, cats and dogs. So you're looking for certain kind of voices and, but you're looking for celeb that was celebrity names. I had fun talking to the voiceover department's of the agencies it's a different kind of casting but it's the same kind of casting and I find the voiceover departments are a little easier to deal with than the theatrical live action departments but look I've been doing this for a long time I love working with everybody
0: do you have a project that either was the most fun to cast or that you were the most proud seeing the final cast put together on screen?
1: Last movie I did for Warner Brothers, uh, Eraser Reborn. It's an action. It's, it's the original Eraser, but with a different tone and take. It's amazing. It looks like a very expensive movie, you know, and all these little movies have little budgets, but the team did a great job there. Director John Pogue, oh my God, he did an amazing job. He made it look like it was a very expensive movie.
0: After the show, people will want to learn more about your work. So, where can people find you online or stay up to date with when you're coaching or speaking engagements, things like that?
1: So, I have a website, harrietgreenspan.com. Um, it has my workshops in it. For coaching, you could send me a note from
0: my website. Last question that we asked everyone on the podcast is what's one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Oh, God.
1: (laughs) How younger self? How young?
0: You can take it back uh, as little or as much as you want. I can't say
1: don't worry because that's part of our DNA. We worry. We, you know, Um, I, but I would basically say everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. You know, the little Harriet wanted to be in Los Angeles and live and be in the entertainment industry. And so the big Harriet is don't give up, be strong, be true to yourself and it'll all work out. I'm still telling myself that.
0: (laughs) Sometimes what we would tell our younger self is what we're having to still tell ourselves. I I find that to be true as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Harriet, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, for being so generous with your insight and also just being such an actor's casting director. It's so evident that you you really enjoy actors and, and helping them. So thank you so much.
1: You're so welcome. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy helping people and I think this is a wonderful business and it's also a very tough business. Like That's why I wrote the book. Anything I can answer for anybody, you know where to reach me.
0: Hi everyone thanks for joining us and to my guest today Harriet Greenspan we'd like to learn more about Harriet as well as her coaching and her book you can check out her website in the show notes below thank you for being the best part of our creative community I'm Laura Linda Bradley and this is what's my frame